0: But outside of that, you are a very layered, textured woman. I love your segment that you did on being happy and grateful. Yes. You know, uh, people don't, they don't, number one, I think, unfortunately, understand what gratitude is. Yeah. Or they've lost the sense of understanding of what gratitude is. Pisses me off. I don't like ungrateful people. I don't. I don't expect for you to grovel, but I want to be acknowledged for extending myself to you.
1: Okay. Okay. And, and I, I do think I, there's I, nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And and what I've learned, and this, this is a great thing about the fact that I've been a therapist for like over about 20 years now, I'm going to say, yeah. But one of the things that I appreciate the most is that I encounter so many people it's so many different backgrounds, so many different values. And so I what I understand now is that people, people respond in accordance to their level of consciousness, their level of beliefs. And so gratitude, you can use the word gratitude. You can use the word God. You can use one single word, and it will mean something different for everybody. It's not a general broad. Everybody will have something. They won't even say the same three words. If, they, if you said, describe God to me in three words of oh, in a group of 10 people, everybody, no two people have the same answer. Well, it's a matter of perception and we don't get the right perception here on Absolutely.
0: the edge brains. I forgot yeah. to tell you, I got Lisa Thomas L. Okay. She is a podcaster. She is a therapist. She's a love and she's a real cool sister. Now we're gonna let y'all in the room. We're gonna have a real deal conversation. So, uh, get ready for it, cause we ain't got time for shucking and jotting. Okay, them days is over.
1: I love it. I love it. I love
0: it. You know. So again, like I said, uh, gratitude, again, appreciation, respect, love, all of that. Mm-hmm. It is based upon interpretation and also how you receive that because everybody receives love differently some people it's sex some people it's money some people it's acknowledgement it's all different for all of us but what we need to do is we need to do the deep dive and when you figure out what it is share it because caring is you know sharing is karen or karen is sharing either right folks don't share they selfish and so you're in this this therapy space what took you there Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Well, originally what took me there, um, I think since I was a teenager, I've always loved to help people. I was, I was just in that space of like, if you came to me for advice or you came for me just to, hear, just to hear you out, I loved it. And from So that was just a net that I already had. But then it was because of an addiction to substances that took me on a journey of rediscovering who I am. You know, like I grew up, I didn't start using drugs until I was in my early twenties. Um, totally denounced drugs because I had, you know, family members who did, and I was like, "Well, oh, I'll never be like that. I'll never be like that." And so, what was, do you mind me asking, what was your poison of choice? Um, cocaine.
0: Wow. Rock or powder? I'm um, both. Did you intravenously use it? No. Yeah. The only reason why I'm sorry that, you know, I'm asking all that is because it's a different trip from what people tell me, you know, depending upon how you use it. If you snort it, it's one way. If you smoke it, it's another way. If you shoot it, it's something else. But however it is, it is, um, how did you start? Was it like, you know,
1: no, I I actually, I started with a friend, with Mm -hmm. somebody that that wasn't a a friend. Yeah, it was a (laughs) A friend of me. Actually, actually, when I think back now, I mean, now you're bringing me back, and it was um, a gentleman that was trying to hook up with me, and when we got together, we, he was sniffing and I was sniffing, and it's like, oh, it'll relax you and stuff. It, I was so paranoid, it was <laughs> I thought I was gonna die. I remember, <laughs> I thought I was gonna die, like, and then I remember right around that time, a basketball player had died on the court, you know, because. Mm. of his his usage. So I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die in here. <laughs> and but that didn't stop me from taking the journey of doing it. And then like wanting to be part of, you know, there was people that I was affiliated with that I didn't want to feel left out. So because they were doing it, I was doing it. But you know the deeper thing is I, I hear people always say, well, they it's like a them that versus this and that one versus this. And, you know, with, with marijuana, all that stuff, it's like that versus this. My thing is at the core, see you, what takes you there? Are you bored? Are you lonely? Are you sad? Are you grieving? Like at the core of it, it takes, it can take you to whatever substance, but at the core, why are you, why is that your choice?
0: Right, and you know, again, you're looking at other people's experience until you see them, you know, tumbling down, and then you sometimes is tumbled down with them. But right. you mentioned something. Yes. Let's talk about marijuana, girl. Okay, I tell people all the time, it is, it's a gateway drug, but weed is not the weed in 2023 that it was in 1963. They got it on what do they call it now uh gasoline weed they got it on steroids they're trying to grow it faster they're trying to debug it they're trying like, to cure everything from a toothache to insomnia to nausea and it's not the same thing it's the cigarette of the twenty you know twenty
1: twenty three you you that's one thing that we haven't definitely have in common I always say you know I've always said it. From the onset of them talking about legalizing marijuana first of all if you like it i love it i like whatever whatever floats your boat i'm not if you you know if you come to me for an assessment then then that's a different that's a different conversation and and people are like when they are into something people can will advocate to all heavens they're just it, girl to the, the nine and so I'm, I'm like, okay, if you like it, I, I love it, and I'm not even gonna argue with you about it. But, I, but I do say the same thing you said. We're not talking about marijuana from 19, like back in the 1950s or nothing like that. We're talking about, like, there's a high demand. So in a high, listen, that our food is contaminated. What makes people think they're not? When, when, when I first heard about marijuana, like as a weight loss remedy, I said, oh no, that's.
0: Right. Well, I, I have was. a I had a, <laughs> a, a a doctor here in California. She was on my show, and she talked about marijuana. Do you know that there has been twelve thousand people recorded in the emergency room for smoking marijuana? Yes. It used yes. to be it would make you happy, horny, and hungry.
1: No, I use and I'm telling you, and 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 I even heard studies. Um that they talked about from Colorado of people. Oh, when I would say, when people, people say, oh, Dan or for marijuana, that's not it. That's not it. Like it's too many other properties in it. That no. does not agree with one's body seizures no. and seizures have been increased. So, so when you, when you tell people that that's why, you know, educate knowledge, we have an abundance of knowledge. That doesn't mean that wisdom, has increased oh, with the no. knowledge. <laughs> you
0: know, it's only it's only good when you apply it. And all of these kids thinking that it's okay. And these uh these gummies. Okay, so let me let me let me tell you my horror story. <laughs> I, I'm sitting in my car and I see the reggae band. Reggae band's going into this uh, uh, um building, but I knew it was a loft inside the building. Right. And I was like, hey, I'm about to follow them, girl, I follow them and it was a 420 up in there. They was getting high, on high, on high. And they said, Babe, oh, you, oh, come over here, baby. You want to try to wax? You want to try to wax? Said, wax? Look at all some wax. So, so what, did, what did it look like? I, I want to know. So it was this plastic like honeycomb. And mm. it looked like earwax. Mm. And they would peel it off with tweezers. Mm. And they had the bong. And then they'd hold the wax over the weed, melt it on top of the weed, and then hit the weed. And girl, their whole body imploded. And Mm. the girl, I guess she was taking a picture for that, what's that, a High Times magazine? Mm. And she was just down there. And no brains, I wasn't getting high. I was observing, okay? Mm In case you want to know my business. Wait, but I said, said, well, let me go over here and get some nachos. Girl, Mm -hmm. they had the THC in the nachos.
1: Yes, yes.
0: They had the gummies. The gummies, you have to understand that this is manufactured in somebody's whatever. This is not pharmaceutical grade. You don't know. Marijuana used to be 3% THC, which is the hallucinogenic. Now you're going in as 25 up to 38%. Why do you want to trip that hard off of some weed? I don't get it. And the smell of it is absolutely deplorable here in California you'll be opening up the door next to somebody. And I just, you know, and I hate to say it, but I hope you say you, if you like it, I love it. Well, I ain't going along to get along, okay? Uh, if they smell that, the police should immediately have them under some sort of surveillance or something because they are a hazard. Mm-hmm. You have got your kids all in the car. Did you hear about that six-year-old that went and shot his teacher the other day?
1: I did hear, I heard about it. I don't know the details of it. Um, but yeah, I
0: I, I don't even need to know the details that that's
1: ridiculousness. Yeah. And you know, I work with kids too. And, and my biggest thing is like, I, I want more information because it, we so often parents and people look at behaviors and they point fingers at the child. But a lot of times the child is, is crying out for greater help. You know, um, I work with kids that that have, like, a, is on a spectrum. And, and I was just telling someone today, I said, you know, they're, they're so, people could abuse them easily, especially ones that's not nonverbal and stuff, because people don't believe them. So my, my question was, like, what led him to that? Like, what, what happened between him and this particular teacher? Not saying it's somebody's fault or anything, but I'm just... I'm like that one who always asks more questions. I'm like, "Mm, okay. Well, you
0: know what? There's not even a question that I could ask with a reasonable answer to a six-year-old. They don't have enough life experience. They still peeing in the bed. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. They can't even make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And 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 my thing would be like, well, where he has access to it. Access. That's what it's
0: it's all about, access. So apparently, I don't know, allegedly, let me be sure to say that, that they called the mother and told the mother that your child has, you know, uh, contraband in his backpack and she attempts to justify it, saying that it's, you know, from a cap gun or whatever. Whatever it is, when my, I was talking to my daughter today, I said, if somebody calls and reports something to me, I'm going to investigate it. So there's a lot of missing moving parts absolutely. to this whole story. But really. I just thought that it was absolutely horrific that a six-year-old, okay, so you're going to put them through a criminal trial, you're going to put them through psychiatric evaluation and then lock them up at six years old. And again, they still peeing in the bed. Absolutely. I don't I don't understand that. Okay, so now you work with... Um, you know, with, with people, tell me some success stories. Tell me how you've created some wins.
1: Oh my gosh, so I'm so excited. <laughs> this is very fresh, very fresh. Things. So this happened today. I work with a young man who's um on the spectrum, him and his brother. And not very verbal, very very you know, I have a lot of limitations. And and I think like that. I'm one who thinks like if I could not speak because <laughs> I've had I felt like as a child that I didn't have a voice you know grew up in an era like kids would be seen not heard Right. so just imagine being a kid who can't express themselves and no one else understands So that has to be frustrating so in working with this young man trying to find different ways on how to really build rapport I've been working with this young man for maybe two years now um, I'm currently learning ASL, so which is sign language. Mm-hmm. So I said, I wonder if he could relate to sign language. So I just did some simple things like thank you and red and just little things to see if he would respond. Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, as I was leaving, leaving the house and I got so excited, I was telling the mom, I was like, look. Come oh, here, let me show you something, and and I love you and stuff, and he responded and he was mimicking it. I was like, wow, because and because I noticed that he was doing his fingers in such ways that I said like, that looks like sign language, and I just started trying just a little bit that I knew, and his mom was like, wow, and as I was leaving the house, I was like, okay, I'll see you, t- I'll see you next week. He said, thank you. I said, oh. My God. <laughs> Thank oh, my you. goodness. And, and and he was like, see, his mom was like, Tell, say, say bye. He was like, bye. Say, see you next week. Never said that to me before. I was like, wow. he." You have to feel like somebody sees me. Right. But
0: people, this is my opinion, only right. my opinion, is that children with autism and ADHD, they're trapped inside this bubble. They're trapped inside themselves. And it's a different way of learning and a different way of communicating. Absolutely. You know, because they don't talk doesn't mean they can't hear, they can't see, they can't taste, they can't feel, they don't hurt, they don't cry. They just don't verbally communicate it that way. Absolutely. They excel in mathematics and music and arts, and right. science. Uh, they're they're creative as far as painters. There's They're locked inside of whatever this is. But I noticed that it really kind of is impacting males more than females. And it's been within like the last 10, 15 years that it just really seems that it is, uh, you're you're having children diagnosed with, you know, ADHD or autism uh, at a rapid pace. Rapid rate, yes. You know, and a lot of African-American children as well, they're not getting the assessments that they need in the schools they're not getting the support. Their parents don't know how to cope with right. this, right. you know?
1: You know, this this is my perspective on it. Like um I believe that God is so merciful and and he he knows us. He knows us. Right? And so what what I've learned from working with children, with children on the spectrum or children period is that that we all have our unique blueprints and it's learning their style of communicating it's not no one size fit all like I can beat you into submission I can scream at you into submission that don't work it don't work so it it gives us an opportunity to change our approach to change the way and it's not just kids on the spectrum but children period people period they're like their little souls little human beings growing up and how do I communicate with this this special, unique child or spirit soul, whatever you want to, however you want to like? That's just my thinking. How can that's how I go into it? How can I connect with this soul that's trying to communicate in a language that is unclear to me? So it gives me more of an in-depth look at. Look beyond this, there, this little kid that you know they, they need to conform. Right. So how can I um, be a vehicle into them and be a light of hope for them?
0: On the flip side, oh, yeah.
1: dealing with the parents. Well,
0: you no, know, because okay, you do your due diligence. You're there; they're happy to see Miss Lisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a great session with them for 45 minutes. Again, you're not going to see that young man till next week two hours okay for two
1: hours yeah but
0: if mama's gonna see him the next six days 24 okay and it's a whole different mindset how do you pour into the parents to try to you know give them some encouraging give them some support and some tools
1: well the first thing i understand that they they do need support and they do need and then just encourage them and you have to know how to speak people's language you have to speak their language. And the same way with, with, with kids and their unique blueprints, you gotta work with families and parents the same way. Don't nobody want you coming in there telling them what to do and that what they're doing is just not working. Right. You know, don't, don't nobody want to hear that. No, but I don't care. I wouldn't want to hear it neither. But you have to be, you have to be compassionate and courageous enough to be able to offer them another source of assistance. That's going to offer, get them the outcome that they're looking for. Yeah, it's well, it's it's all in how you the the individual approaches. Sometimes people, you know, and then sometimes people don't want to hear from everybody. Like they might see somebody else that's not the same shade as me telling them right. something, and right, they right, know. right, right,
0: right. Well, how are you gonna tell me? You know, and to- well, you can't tell me nothing. You how are you gonna tell me how to raise my kid? Got all that neck moving and all that, you know, finger snapping
1: and all that kind of stuff.
0: They do look at
1: you. They look at you. I mean, I've had the looks and people look at me, but it's my approach. It's my approach to them and and how I, you know, because I'm there to support them. I'm not there to tell you what to do. I'm here to support you. And do you want a better relationship with your child or you just want them to conform? Right.
0: And a lot of times they get with the work that you do confused with social workers, and they lump everybody together, and everybody's against me, and they, you know, they going to call in CPS, and it's just one thing after another. But that's not what you do. No, that's
1: not what
0: I do. But what else you do is you write books. I heard that you have contributed to not one, not two, but three anthologies. Am I right about that? Yes, I did.
1: Yes, Tell I did. me about that. Tell me about that. You know, so I'm a part of a compilation. of destined to win. Here is one. <laughs> Let me okay. see Wait a minute. okay, so I'm clear. There there it is. all right, yes all right, great, okay. so now you are destined to win. what is that all about? what you doing oh, wow, so so, destined to win, first of all i am it was an honor that my mother introduced me to this. She started in destined to one destined to win one, and so she recommended me. During the writing time and everything, they was looking for another author and she recommended me for the book. And unfortunately, um, wasn't able to get in there. So we was like, oh, we'll do it. I'll do it the next time and stuff. And then um, as they was ready to publish the book, my mom ended up finding out that she had stage four cancer. And very shortly after that, she passed away. So I was called... Matter of fact, it was right before the funeral. Um, someone contacted me and asked me if I would be willing to write my story in, in one of the in the next book. And and as a a tribute to my mother, I said yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that I this will give me an opportunity to mourn out loud. And and I'm telling you, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to express myself through my writing mm-hmm. and share some hope to, with others. So this was, I've always wanted to write a book, always, me and my mother always talked about writing a book. And this is just part of me, like, continuing the legacy, because my mother was one who helped people. She was a therapist herself, you know, always an advocate for the underdog. (laughs) And now I get a chance to to do the same, and I've been doing it, and and that was our conversation we always used to talk about. And so now I continue to share that with her in spirit
0: absolutely so you know what are in the pages of that what are you
1: saying to people okay so my first my first um you want to read an ab- excerpt? oh absolutely okay, well, okay so let's see let's see let's see
0: because see what happens brains is when you get in these collaborations and anthologies don't get lost in the pages feature yeah. who you are let people know where you are Sometimes the first person may not be as interesting as the third person, but these anthologies are a collection of real people's story that they've taken the time to collaborate, and it is an investment. You don't get in these books just because you (laughs) puke, okay? Absolutely not. You have to go through a vetting process. You have to go through a writing process. It has to be edited. It has to be printed. It has to be promoted. So it is your body of work. Don't get lost in those pages because it's very important that you tell your story and then you get on podcasts like this and read an excerpt so people can feel your texture. They can walk in your shoes. They know that you are not talking at them,
1: but you're walking with them. Would you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I'll just give you a couple of, uh, just a couple of the, the paragraphs, all right. there always seemed to be something different about me. As a little girl, I was playful and loved interacting with others. During this stage of life, I was an only child. I lived in the same community as my cousins, five of them to be exact. We had each other. I wanted so much to be a part of their tribe, yet I still felt some sort of disconnection most of the time. There's the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And this is a perfect framework For my life. This was the life that I lived. I was not raised by my mother and father. I wasn't just raised by my mother and father. I was raised by my paternal grandparents as well. It wasn't uncommon to trade spaces of living between them all. In seeking, I discovered what I really wanted was connection. I wanted to feel like I was a part of something. I wanted to feel like I belonged, yearned for the love and approval of my father. But I felt I just didn't measure up. As a youngster in my early teens, my sense of self was still in the class for others. In so many ways, I was described in a negative tone. This ultimately led to my decision to have a baby at the age of 15. So th- this chapter is on looking for validation in all of the wrong places.
0: Well, do I- <laughs> Being a mother of 15 I'm sure was a challenge within itself a baby mm-hmm. raising a baby mm-hmm. how did that impact your life and how did that make you stronger as the woman mm-hmm. you are today
1: so the the thing was at that time at the fifth a 15 year old mine, I was thinking this was my way out. I had very strict parents and you know they were no nonsense parents and and their intentions, was for me to go and they wasn't him. that
0: strict because you done slipped out and dipped in. <laughs> <laughs> was that I'll a part you. of
1: being, Was that a part of being rebellious, though? You Very know? rebellious. Yeah. Like yes. Yeah, so so I I presented one face in front of family, and I had another one outside of that. So I I was like feeling like I was trapped. I wanted to be released, and so having a baby was a great idea. I thought I was going to have something to love me. You know, not understanding that this this child was going to take more out of me than anything. Yet he also became my reason for living. Because I was very suicidal at a young age. Um, Did made a couple of attempts in my life to take away my life. But yet this child was that source of living he kind of like brought brought life into me even in my struggles um
0: let me ask you some more questions absolutely you say that your parents were very strict mm-hmm. was that from a religious doctrine was that no. was that from uh generational experiences or trauma
1: well, think it as a mixture of both you know um <laughs> there was some uniqueness there because you know i i had i would say my parents were seekers my father was kind of like in the islamic faith um which is part of where my my last name comes from thomas l um islamic nation of islam or is north america north america okay and then my mother was she was in a few different things Islam, Christianity—you know—I went to a Pentecostal church, Baptist church, so had my mixture of a few different things. More, I mean, even all in Mormon of those, church.
0: all of those, Mormon church too. Yeah. Wow. See, all of those are very strict religious doctrines. Yeah. So you was like all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: you felt that you weren't good enough. Did you have siblings? You have brothers and sisters. Um. Later. I was the I was the oldest. I'm the oldest of all my siblings. How many siblings? So it's six of us. Okay. Yet, like traditionally, they would say I'm the only child by my mother and father. However, I have other brothers and I have brothers and sisters that i it's just my brothers and sisters. They're not stepbrothers and sisters, they're just brothers and sisters.
0: Okay. I get that. I get that. So you go through all of this anxiety. You have this beautiful baby boy, but you're still a baby. Um, Did that give you what you needed? Because you got a a young woman that's listening to this situation right now Hmm. that figures, I just want somebody to love me. Mm -hmm. If I have a baby, that baby is going to love me. But it's not about the baby-loving you it's about you loving the baby because it's a lot of work it is it's a lot of work and that epigenetics that generational trauma that mm-hmm. goes from one seed to the next right. you know it's uh it's that's happening too what do yeah. you say what do you say to that young girl right now don't do it <laughs> just say no <laughs>
1: Okay, but yeah, it, it's not gonna work. Um, see, what I understand that what I didn't understand then, and what I understand now, and that's part of what's in the book as well, is I was just I was on a quest of searching who am I, and I thought that who I was was based on who whom I belonged to, the role that I would play, but that was going to be the thing that fulfilled me, and even throughout my life, always looking outside of myself, thinking, okay, this relationship is going to fulfill me, this you know, this job is going to fulfill me. This position is going to fulfill me. Always thinking it was outside of me that I was seeking fulfillment. You know, um, even even in my relationship with God, it was like, okay, I didn't feel like I measured up. I didn't feel like I would, I, I was meeting the mark. So in this journey of like discovering, well, who am I? Am I just, all these roles, I'm, and my mom and my grandmom and my um, a therapist, outside of that, why don't I feel a sense of fulfillment? But who am I here for? What's my purpose? Like, it's more than this. Is it just what people say, that you're the roles and it's getting the career and being this? Like, what is It's so much more than that?
0: It's more than that. Again, like you said, looking for that outside influence. And so, you know, it's hard to tell a baby girl or a baby boy that, uh, you know, your body image is not the one on TikTok. That you are not going to be the next rapper. That you are not going to be the next uh, Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard to tell them because you've got all of this makeshift stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. Parents it's hard to be a parent. I was just having lunch with my daughter today, and uh, we was rehashing some stuff. Cause mm-hmm. Girl, I went, nuclear on a... her, <laughs> and, and she had to call me on it. She says, now, next time, just do this, do this. I said, "But well, see, what you have to understand is, I'm 60, you're 35. We didn't dealt with each other a long time, baby. You know who I am, and it ratchets up. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to you nice, I tell you this, I do this, and then All of a sudden, when I give you the one, two, you think I'm crazy because you've not been paying attention. And I'm looking at how these young adults are reflecting back and treating their parents like they're your friend. And I had to make it clear to her, we will never be best friends. I will Mm -hmm. love you and I will be friendly, but I will always be your mother Mm -hmm. and you will respect me as your mother. But Mm -hmm. as an adult, I need to also respect you as a woman because you're 35 years old. You're right. not 12. I can't treat you that way. right? You know? Sons, right. it's very hard for a young man to cope. You see a lot of um, mistreating of women. And I right. tell people all the time, that's a key indicator, how he treat and talk about his mama. Right. Okay, that's a, a red flag right there. Mm. That doesn't go well. But his mother is the first woman that he falls in love with. So there's a high expectation there. Right. Then you don't have a role model because, again, you know, 80s, 70s, 80s, cocaine was just poured into our communities. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it was an epidemic. Then the woman became strong and she said, look, I don't need you. So the man lost his place. He lost his role. Right. are now trying to find that and be honored and be respected.
1: Then mm-hmm. you got the
0: independent woman that you know say, I don't need you. Well, right. hun, let me tell you something, Sister Brown. You ain't gonna get you nobody either. Because don't nobody want to be with somebody that don't need them. Right. I have been married 38 years. Okay. And I right. love the breeze that keeps that brother cool. You best. No. It. Okay.
1: It's, I love it.
0: It's the truth. But it took work. Yeah. And the most precious thing people say, what keeps you together? You know what? Is that we let each other know that we appreciate each other. I'll cook breakfast and he'll say, "Thank you for cooking breakfast, baby." Or oh, wow. thank you. And he washes the clothes and say, "Baby, thank you for washing clothes."
1: That's right.
0: And, and a sweet little kiss. It's just appreciation. It's
1: the simple it's things, whole,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's not a whole bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, It's not
0: a whole bunch of stuff.
1: And that was stuff that y'all. That, that, that when I when I think of when I, when the, anytime I hear somebody say they've been married for a, a period of time so that's that's. That's work that that didn't just like, oh, yeah, um, I checked him out he checked me out. And and we've been in bliss ever since because you both come from different backgrounds, different thought processes. And so learning and then that changes. Absolutely. It it, it
0: morphs. And are you and what are you willing to concede to? Because, you know, some of these young ladies, I'm going to get on your case. You don't know how to treat no man. Okay, you don't know how to treat no partner. Number one, you don't know how to treat yourself. You know, you're not taking care of yourself, you uh have an attitude, you don't want to work, you don't cook, you don't clean, you don't keep yourself up. You know, who, who wants to be bothered with that? But then you got the men that don't want to work, that can't cook, that uh disrespectful. You know, thinking that he's cute, thinking he the king of the ding-a-ling swing. And it's it's a problem. Yeah. So how do we come together? How do we start the conversation and become good role models for our children? Do the best that you can. You know, okay, maybe the father can't pay child support or he don't pay pay, pay child support. That doesn't mean that your child should be yanked away from that person. If they're a good person, they may be having a problem right now. If the mother is on drugs uh, or alcohol, give her an opportunity. Get with the grandparents. Give her some counseling. Get with great people like Lisa Thomas L's to help you work it
1: through. And you know something like um I was I was telling one of my sons one day, I said, having just because you have a child to whatever issues that you 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 have doesn't disappear because you have children. It doesn't. It shows up, and and it and a lot of times I can I can observe how people interact with whether you're talking about like the, the father and and all that stuff. I can tell that there's some there's some father issues mm-hmm. just in their interactions, and you know just in the way. And so you're talking about um, generational. That thing just keeps it just keeps trickling down. It just keeps going. It keeps going. So at some point. If you're willing, because a lot of times we're looking at other people and saying, well, once they get their stuff together, then I'll be okay. Or once this happens, then I'll be okay. But when you take a, a serious, honest look within you at what is this reflecting on me, then you make the changes. And what what the, the miracle of all of that is as you're making the change, stuff changes. If, well, if, well, if, as
0: my friend said, that there will never be change as long as the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change. You know, you got to keep it moving. Yeah.
1: You have to evolve. You got to you you be willing to go. Like, you can't escape this thing called you. You can't, it's, <laughs> it's not about everybody else. You can't escape. Someone the other day told me a fallacy, right? And I laughed. And the reason why I laughed, I said, I can't, if, if you go to the doctors and say, my knee, my knee has been bothering me. I don't know what's, what's wrong, right? And you have migraines. I'm never going to address your migraines because I'm looking at your knees. And th- and people will say, well, therapy don't work. What are you working with therapy? If I'm only seeing you for an hour a week, your life is not going to, oh, magically disappear because you had a conversation with me. What happens is, what do you do to practice those things? I have a coach. It's not, I and mean, I pay my coach nicely. It's not what I pay him or anything. It's what I'm willing to do. Am I willing to do the work that I need to do inside of me? I can gain all the information. I get, I get euphoric moments all the time. But if I'm not doing the work, if I'm not putting in an effort, it's just knowledge. Well, you so, know, okay. I
0: tell people all the time, everybody's not going to be your client. And, you know, you have to step up to the plate. You have to do the work because it's not about you. You're on to your next client and you have to process it but you have to be willing to be vulnerable yes it's like standing in the middle of the street in the rain but naked you Bye. got to free you got to free yourself you got to free yourself it ain't nothing wrong with it i did it a couple of weeks ago i didn't stand outside but i stood in the mirror yeah but naked yeah I bent over and i looked and i grunted and i said whoa what is this what's going on because i wanted to connect with the true essence of who i was not the spank not the brawl not the unblemished i'm 60 years old i really wanted to see who i was and Thanks. you know what i blew myself a kiss Thanks. because all of the imperfections is what makes me who i am what didn't kill me made me stronger mm-hmm. um you know, it allowed me to make some corrective action and say, oh, well, you know, maybe I would do this better. I'd like this a little tighter or whatever. But then afterwards, I stood there and I stared at my face mm-hmm. as the tears trickled down my face mm-hmm. because I felt like I had been liberated. I felt like I had walked through uh, my rites of passage. I felt mm-hmm. strong. I was 60 and I owned it. Right. It wasn't like, you know, I'm trying to be 40 or, or 25 or 30. I'm 60 and I am so glad because there's some folks
1: that lives are ruined at six.
0: Right.
1: You know, I, I had a similar experience just the other day um, and, and it came in the form of me doing a, a meditation and, and you know, and I know meditation is a kind of loaded word because think people think, oh, I got to sit somewhere and be still, and, oh, and there's
0: all kinds right, of it's
1: right. all kind of stuff, right? So, there was a um, a kind of meditation actually that I worked with with one of my coaches, and um, in it, I got an opportunity to come face to face with little Lisa, the little Lisa who felt like she didn't have a voice, the little the parts of me that felt like she was closed off and she was just not seen. I got a chance to come face-to-face with her and, and take her little hand and thank her. Thank her for all the, the challenges that she endured. Thank her for loving me, even though like I I may have felt like I needed to disown her in order. I wanted to be somebody else. I wanted to do something else, but thanking her and appreciating for each step because so often we think, hmm, if I wish this didn't happen or I wish that didn't happen. And there's a lot of things in my life that's happened. Yet, I I would always want wish it didn't happen. But it was in those things that it brought me to this very moment. Sitting here with you right now, all of those experiences that I've had has brought me to this moment. I would never be as compassionate and understanding as I am if it wasn't for all the experiences, the childhood so-called traumas, all the the molestations, the, all that stuff gave me a voice for me to even be in a compilation, a book, or anything. And and right now, like I was just talking, having a conversation with someone, and I was like, I'm about to revise this. I'm even going to do... A, um, revised even my chapter because there are some insights that I've even gained since I wrote this you know what I mean so I I was able to connect with the parts of me that so long I tried to suppress Mm -hmm. and and was looking for people to validate me and say I see you and I, I got you and and all that stuff those feelings that we have that so often we, uh, uh, I, I, I'm i strong, I gotta move on. It's strength mm-hmm. in loving them. It's strength in connecting with them because they are a part of us. They're I all a part I, of us.
0: But so people we, want you to, after you suppress it and then you've been therapized and medicated and all of this kind of stuff, they want you to, uh, I, I hear people that say, well, I can release the trauma and it'll go away. It never, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor. It never goes away. It is a building block and the foundation for who you are. You don't have to be stuck in that place. You don't have to be victimized by that, but it is who you are. And it's a part of your testimony. That's why I love my show so much because I'm really into emotional intelligence and relationship capital. You know, I want to make that investment. I want people to be able to rise above their circumstance, but don't forget who you are and what you're about. Speaking of that, before we conclude, tell us a little bit about your podcast and what is the purpose and what is your mission?
1: Oh my goodness! My my mission is to be a beacon of light and love to all that's within an earshot away. <laughs> to you know, um, I believe those the, the radio waves are, are that frequency. Goes out into the masses. So if I can just be just a little beacon of light, if I can offer some insight into back to you, I'm not 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 just into me, but back to yourself. That's what I do. So I'm on every Monday from six to six thirty. Conversations with Light Creations um, on its it's the um, I'm sorry, top class radio. You can download the app on your phone and the notifications will pop up. It's a phenomenal radio station um, that I'm I'm affiliated with. There's music and there's some hosts, but I'm specifically on Monday from six to 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. And I just bring about self-awareness, raising levels of consciousness. That's, That's the goal for this year. It's just to raise levels of consciousness within you. So that can mean a lot to everybody. When you say, raise consciousness, what does that mean? And it's like raising awareness. And, well, you and, and being awake. Yes. Being awake. Okay,
0: because everybody was into this mindset. I think that that pigeonholes you and keeps you stuck. I need you to be conscious and awake so that you are able to uh, use your imagination, use your creativity. Uh, yes. Appreciate where you are. Have some projection where you want to be, you know, to to manifest your dreams. Not just sit and put it on a vision board, but actually put it into action. Look at your outcome, your methods, your resources. Do some strategic planning up here. (laughs) Quit dealing just with the frontal lobe and go into the subconscious mind. There's about four, five people that you ain't even met. Right, right.
1: And and listen, you talk about the brain, like in looking at the scotoma, that part of your brain that has that 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 goes in that blackout. You get to fill it with that reassurance of who you are. So if you say, "This is where I'm at," like I I like to, as far as a vision board, I love vision boards, and I love even that internal vision board. Like this is where I'm at, and I I'm I'm tired of being angry. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of being angry, right? I need to get to the root of why I'm so angry, and I want to build more on my confidence. So how do I build more on my confidence? Like I, first of all, you gotta assess where am I at. This is the, this is my truth, and where I'm at. Where do I want to be eight months from now? Where do I want to be a year from now? Five years from now? And so what do I need to do? Or listen to? Like we have all this, we have all these ways of listening to. Listen, people fought and died for us to read. And now, today, we have technology that will read for you. And people still don't want to read.
0: People still don't want to read. I, I but where like you it. can begin, where
1: you yeah. can begin is
0: do like I do. Just strip yourself butt naked. You know? And, and stand there and just look at yourself. Look, look at yourself. Mm. Don't just look at the reflection, but make the correction. And I'm so glad that we have people like you, Lisa Thomas L., that is out there you know you on the ground floor you a soldier you got your g-card y'all know what g-cards are (laughs) you got a phd in life uh you've been there done that and you wear the t-shirt but you are there to you know reach back and give another brother or sister hand and i thank you so much for that continued success uh i'm gonna put all of your information at the back of the interview give her a call you know she may not write be in your location but she's nothing but a zoom call away
1: thank you Zoom call away absolutely and check
0: out her podcast and radio show i'm gonna put that information there too okay
1: all right i love
0: you sister brown love you love you love you you. all right bye brains all right